This podcast is brought to you by Stonely, an interactive guidance platform for self-serve support. Deflect tickets, decrease costs, and delight customers with beautiful step-by-step guides that can be embedded anywhere. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Queue, a brand new podcast by Stonely that looks at the human side of customer support leadership. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week, I'm excited to welcome Oleg Krasnov, Head of Support Excellence at Miro. In this episode, I talk with Oleg about Miro's insane growth over the last year, from 3 million users to over 10 million, and how that led to the creation of Miro's new Support Excellence team. Oleg shares what Support Excellence means, how he designed and advocated for this new role, and how it's streamlining the support process during a critical time of rapid growth. Before we get into talking about support excellence and your new role at Miro, can you just give us uh, or just introduce yourself really quickly and um, give us a quick walkthrough of your career so far? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I've, I've been doing the customer support job for over 12 years uh, already. Uh, I started at Microsoft. Uh, it was a call center for Russia and CIS back in the day. It was uh, my first, almost first job out there. Uh, I quickly progressed towards the team lead role there. Uh, and this was sort of like the foundation for my whole uh, career. And so uh, later on, I moved to the company called Positive Technologies. And uh, they are busy about the cybersecurity. So it was sort of like prevention for uh, hacker attacks, those kind of things. Uh, support team was uh, way smaller. Like the business segment was uh, totally different. And my role was called service manager. And I was sort of a Swiss knife man. I mean, like I've been doing uh, all of the uh, like non-customer facing work that was assigned by uh, the head of support. And uh, later on, I moved to the company called uh, rec.ru. And they are sort of small hosting company and they are also uh, registering the uh, domain names. And there, my my role was the quality manager. And uh, I've been in charge of uh, around six or seven distributed teams uh, across Russia. And uh, the overall staff was around 70 people. And so uh, I was uh, doing the job of sort of uh, internal experts uh, and all about the quality of the service. So I've been doing, like, first of all, I've, I've uh, created the, uh, um, the framework, how we're going to assess the performance. Then I also uh, collaborated with the, the team leads uh, and then did had a lot of assessments, like I used to listen to calls, uh, read the chats, read the tickets, and provide my own judgment around like what are the areas for the improvement. And apart from that, I also uh, build a lot of uh, like policies, uh, macros, uh, help center, those kind of things. And uh, then I had an opportunity to finally uh, become uh, a full-time people manager. I, I mean, like, as I said, I had uh, a small people management experience uh, back in my early days, but here I was uh, in charge of the whole technical support department. The company called uh, Selectel, uh, and if you're familiar with uh, our Russian Facebook clone uh, called vk.com, 
this uh, data center was built specifically for this social network and eventually it progressed to uh, a company with a business model called infrastructure as a service which means that they provided different opportunities to uh, use the space of the data center um, uh, that they, they built uh, like cloud services any uh, i don't know additional services those kind of things and um, uh, this was quite uh, an interesting experience, but uh, I, I, at some point I just realized that um, I, I'm not really uh, sort of in line with the, the product that we built uh, because it was too techy. I mean, like the guys uh, in the company, they were, you know, really excited about, you know, new release of uh, Linux or new uh, Intel processor, those kind of things. And I'm, I'm more about people <laughs> rather than, you know, these hardcore technologies. And so that's how I, I've been hunted to a company called Zeptalab. And uh, they are doing mobile games. So uh, the, the, there I led the support and community teams. And it was a completely different experience. And uh, before that, it was fun to have uh, you know, to, to have the paychecks just because you also need to play games. Uh, but, but then I just realized that, uh, damn, I'm, I'm not a gamer anymore. I, I, I didn't play games for around seven years uh, before that. And uh, like in my childhood, when I was playing a lot, uh, this was my actual dream to be, you know, on the other side of, of the barricades. And so uh, after a long reflection, I just realized that I need to uh, believe uh, in the product uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm supporting. And uh, that's how I ended up being uh, at Mira. And uh, I, I, I've been working there since October 2018. Uh, and uh, I was the first head of support uh, back in the day. So the team was uh, around seven people. Uh, we had uh, five people on the first line, one person on the second line. Uh, and also one team lead and now we have around 35 people uh, and the whole company grew from around 100 people to 650 and we are going to double we are going to double this year so you can imagine like uh, how how fast we're growing and how challenging is this and so uh, uh, we can talk about it a bit later in details but at some point I just realized that uh, like the uh, trajectory, like the growth trajectory of the company is way faster and higher than uh, my own growth trajectory. And this is uh, how we ended up with uh, understanding that we need even more experienced leader uh, to, to the support team. And that's how we hired my current manager, uh, Thibaut, very cool guy. And he has uh, um, 20, year, uh, 20 years of experience like in companies like IBM. Uh, so... He, he has way, way uh, wider business acumen than, than uh, I am. And so that's how I changed the role for being head of support excellence. And uh, I'm doing this like right from scratch from January this year. And so far it's been very, very exciting. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What, what is support excellence? <laughs> yeah, so the support excellence uh, sounds you know, too exotic, I think. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's... Uh, I, I also uh, heard from uh, a few guys, like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Like, what what is all about? 
And so uh, support excellence is sort of like umbrella term. Um, and we have uh, in, in, in Miro, we also have, uh, let's say, head of people excellence and head of product engineering excellence, which means that it's all about how you can make uh, your uh, main team uh, successful. So uh, like if, if we uh, zoom out and see different types of the teams, there are basically the teams who are sort of like core teams, uh, core departments like customer support, sales, uh, etc. And there are teams uh, which are uh, supporting other teams. Uh, usually uh, those teams called operations, but you also can uh, split it out to different dimensions like let's say enablement, or maybe it could be uh, some specific piece of the operation. So uh, it can be really branched out. Uh, and just because of the fact that I'm kicking off all sorts of operations types uh, of uh, things uh, for the support organization, which is which means that I'm responsible for all non-customer facing work, all non-queue based work, like all the processes, uh, all the data analysis, uh, cross-functional collaboration, product feedback loop, training, uh, post onboarding, uh, career development, uh, facilitating of the like of the knowledge sharing, those kind of things, and also. Uh, partially for the help center and basically building the uh, both internal and external content. Uh, and this is something that uh, I've been uh, actually trying to evangelize uh, even uh, a year ago because uh, I just clearly saw that, okay, we have the people leads uh, and they, they are very, you know, uh, loaded with all the people related uh, things like hiring, uh, coaching, uh, one-on-ones, ticket reviews, performance reviews, uh, people issues, like helping people with the, the queues, those kind of things. And uh, I quickly realized that we just need to have uh, a, some, some people, maybe some dedicated uh, team, uh, which will be responsible for all the things that are sort of like running under the hood. Uh, and this is the way to, to scale the team and to uh, make the life of, of our support organization uh, better. Cool. Yeah. So it sounds like you're you're really kind of in charge of almost supporting the support team. Yes. Like exactly. Handling that, that, yeah. That's that's exactly how we call it. Like we are supporting support. <laughs> okay. So, support team is our customer. <laughs> okay. So how did you go about advocating for for this new concept in this new role? So uh, basically, in, in, in the whole company, we have the concept of sort of like central ops, uh, which means that we have the so-called revenue operations team. And uh, this team is responsible for all go-to-market teams, like in on the paper. Like uh, they, they need to support the, um, uh, like the sales guys, uh, customer success guys, uh, and all the folks who are around. And we also have different types of uh, those roles you know, inside of the revenue team, which means that we have, let's say, business technology team. And they're... Uh, in charge of administrating all the software zoo that we have for go-to-market teams uh, and making sure that, I don't know, all the integrations work fine, uh, everything is connected. We have uh, also like the product managers who are responsible for our internal admin panel. It's like another product you need to support. 
we also use uh, the, the, their help when we need to purchase the, the software or maybe renew the, like Zendesk, for instance, those kind of things. Uh, but also we have uh, sales operations, sales enablement, success enablement, those kind of things. And uh, while I understood that uh, you need to have really close relationship between sales and success, for instance, like headcount planning, you really need to understand uh, how you want to scale and which uh, geographies you want to use when going to uh, with the, the sales folks to eventually predict how much load you would have for the customer success teams. But I had two strong opinions. First one is that support is totally different from sales and success. And we, apart from uh, like our setup, uh, sales and success, they are supporting and helping only enterprise customers while we as a support serve the whole user base, uh, which means that we're a bit different. And also while sales and success, they are proactive, we're by nature reactive. We deal when we have some questions, when we have some problems, and we are sort of like uh, the end point for, for any problem. Um, and so this is one thing. And another thing is like when you have in this central operations model, usually because support is not generating revenue, you are sort of in the end of the tail. So you can wait for like hell a lot of time to, let's say, I don't know, you need to build a dashboard or maybe you need to facilitate some, some process improvement. And if you rely only on uh, like people from other teams, then, uh, you know, it's not that convenient as you have it sort of like in-house. So uh, that, that's how uh, I, I, I was just forcing uh, the leadership team. Like we, at least in the beginning, we need to have people who uh, have uh, the full context about like the problems, about how this, I mean, like when you are supporting support, you need to emphasize, uh, empathize uh, to your customers. Like you need to understand how it feels like when you're, uh, actually working in the queue, like what kind of obstacles you have, uh, like how how you can improve those things. So you have sort of like this first-hand experience. And uh, when you have someone else who may be a really great program manager, uh, like maybe uh, this, this uh, person would be really great in uh, designing the processes and those kind of things, uh, you still would need to spend a lot of time on just simple alignment. You would need to you know, share all this context to this person, uh, align hell a lot of times to, you know, like uh, get the things done. So uh, those were my uh, like strong arguments to, to move forward. Potentially in the future, we can uh, uh, transfer this whole support excellence under the revenue operations as well. But to be honest, uh, I'm not sure if, it, if it's going to happen because of like the nature of, of our function. And, uh, and I also have heard from uh, other companies that uh, some of them, they are doing uh, it uh, in RevOps. Some of them, they are doing just in the support team. So uh, the, 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 key, the key thing here is just to have the dedicated people who would be caring about you and uh, who can uh, have enough context. And for instance, we also hiring for the support analyst role but this person would be under the analytics uh, umbrella, but it would be our dedicated resources, not sort of like customer experience or go-to-market analyst, it's just support analyst. So this is sort of like the trade-off that uh, you, you can have, like from one hand, we don't need to have another headcount uh, on our team, 
and we don't need to have this kind of like headache of, of the people management. But from the other hand, we also have the dedicated resource. So I, I might foresee that at some point support excellence can be same um, uh, dedicated resource while reporting to the RevOps, but not sure if it would be beneficial and like what kind of pros and cons it, it will have. So as for now, at least for this year and probably the, the next year, we will see how it goes under the support umbrella and then, then iterate from there. Okay. So is, is support excellence, like, is this a, a structure that is at a lot of other companies or is this a relatively new thing? Um, I've seen uh, some companies were doing similar things, but uh, I didn't see that much excellence in, in the phrasing in the word. And, uh, for instance, uh, I've seen lots of uh, program managers at Dropbox who are responsible for similar tasks. I've seen enablement folks, uh, let's say in Slack uh, or in, uh, in Stripe who are responsible for uh, similar things. Uh, I also uh, like talking about the Dropbox, they also have their own head of support operations. They also have their product operations and they are sort of like in between the product and support, uh, which I, I, I don't fully agree with. I think product operations by the definition should be like supporting the products uh, with uh, their processes and their obstacles. So sort of like when, when I'm thinking, let's say about design operations or like sales operations, uh, they're uh, attached to their like core team, which is like either, I don't know, sales, uh, design, engineering, whatever. Uh, but when for some reason, product operations treated as a sort of like out branch of support who are like making sure that, I don't know, the product teams are hearing the, uh, like the, the feedback from the users that doesn't really fit in my like perfect picture. It's, it's two factors. Like one is that we already have some excellence folks um, uh, in our team. And uh, I, I actually have seen that people excellence is more uh, popular uh, concept. Uh, and I think like uh, if we zoom out, this goes also out of the name of like sort of like center of the excellence. Uh, which is also usually about like the processes, the tools, the trainings, those kind of things. So it's not simply about operations. And operations, by my definition, is uh, strictly the processes, uh, cross-functional collaboration, uh, specifically for support is product feedback loop, and also data analysis, like dashboards, those kind of things. Uh, so like in the beginning, when you have, let's say the team of like 10 support agents, then it might make sense to have, uh, a sort of like, uh, Jack of all hands, uh, the person who would be like handling all, all of those things, because like the volume shouldn't be that, that big as for instance, like when you have 30 or 40 or 50 people in, in the support team. Uh, but basically I think, uh, the fact that we already have a few excellence folks, uh, in, in Mira uh, was uh, the, the influence and also just because of the fact that if my title would be head of support operations, enablement and content, that would be just too long. <laughs> and like internally we agreed like, okay, let's, let's call it uh, excellence and use the acronym of Essex team for sure. And th th this just uh, sticks really well. And I think uh, even though we are very young team, uh, like currently I have only three direct reports, uh, 
uh, for, for each pillar. Uh, if, even though it feels like this ASIC uh, like acronym uh, works well internally. Uh, but yeah, it, it feels like uh, when, when people see my LinkedIn profile, they're you know, a bit confused, like what does that mean? I've tried to explain it like in a couple of words in, in my bio, uh, but, but still I understand that uh, not even all, all the companies thinking about support operations. Usually like the, 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 the big problem that I see in the market, uh, especially in the Russian market, is that support treated as sort of like cost center. And that's how you don't get resources. Uh, you can't really uh, have like really uh, uh, good justification of the needs. But in fact, that uh, like the, these kind of teams uh, can be really scaling uh, lever for for your team. Um, and for instance, like in in uh, in Selectel, uh, I've had uh, a role in my team uh, called just project manager, and this was sort of like jack of all hands like uh, operations whatever you call it so i would say it's it's not about the naming it's all about the meaning and the results that you can get uh, so if I, the, the only thing that i really hate is when uh the operations means something uh completely different for instance at stripe uh they uh they call operations uh, for both support and like operational type of work, which is non-customer facing, which is like from my experience, very confusing. I mean, like, okay. Yeah. Or when you, for instance, see the role called uh, head of uh, support operations, and basically this is just head of support. Why you need to call it operations? So I, I, I think it's just, you know, like confusing uh, the same uh, way as uh, you can see all kinds of, I don't know, directors, VPs, heads, leads, those kinds of things, which are, you know, those titles are not aligned across all the companies. And uh, sometimes you just need to figure out like, okay, uh, <laughs> what do you mean here? Like, it's all about like the, the, the value that you, you can uh, create for, for the company. Yeah, so it sounds to me kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like support excellence is about supporting the support team, allowing them kind of to focus more on the people side of the of support uh is that i i would say that uh uh like focusing on the people side of things is more relevant for the team leads currently we have uh, four team leads in in the team and uh like when you manage uh let's say eight people and you really want to make sure that the culture is healthy and everyone is successful you need to have like at least uh, bi-weekly one-on-ones you need to have this like regular product feedback loop uh performance review once in uh, in half of the year those kind of things uh together with the hiring th these things take a lot of time and also, you need to align with uh, like the rest of the leadership team, and the complexity grows a lot. And uh, and while the support heroes, they just need to focus on helping customers. Like they they like if if you want to make your customers happy, you need to make your support happy. Like support, uh, happy support means happy customer. This is like you you can't really make uh, anyone happy if you are not happy yourself. So, uh, and, and, and that's how, like, that's the, the whole goal. We want to make our support team successful by taking the burden of the uh, operational things like 
let's say pro processes like just imagine uh that like our support is sort of like in the intersection of uh, almost all, all the processes in the company and just imagine mm -hmm. like how the complexity grows along the goal like let's imagine that uh like we were going to be a 1200 people company uh in one year uh so we're going to double just just imagine the amount of complexity that you need to get uh and you, you will have eventually in in one year and uh like if everyone would uh, be uh, up to the team leads or up to the agents then uh you're like you, you you wouldn't have really strict focus you like it's just like the the basic rule of thumb when like you are like scaling uh from small company to big company you are going from generalist to specialist so and th this is something that you can see across all the boards for instance first people who are taking care of those like processes data cross-functional collaboration project management those kind of things uh, they usually called in the companies uh, as business operations or bizops and those folks they usually appear in the companies very early like uh, 20 30 50 employees uh, where they need to coordinate like OKR planning uh, or maybe like building the headcount models, uh, take like sort of like plug in the holes when let's say uh, other functions don't exist yet, but you, you need to take care of something. And so, uh, but eventually when you have, uh, like when you see the growth and your whole team is growing, your core teams like sales are growing, then it's uh, like this BizOps tends to branch out to sales operations, success operations, uh, recruiting operations, design operations, those kind of things. And like, as soon as you grow further and further, you need to have really deep specialization in something to be successful because uh, you, you really can dig deeper into the things and make an impact because you have like really full attention and uh, accountability for a very narrow area. And this is how you can actually win when you are scaling really fast and uh, you just need to make sure that the whole engine is, is running and uh, you can't really, like when, when you have, let's say, uh, the support team of eight people plus the head of support, uh, this head of support is taking care of all the processes, all the, uh, uh, I don't know, onboarding, hiring, firing, uh, those kind of things. But at some point, you just uh, out of the capacity and this is how you uh, introduce another management level you have the team leads they are responsible for a limited amount of people and eventually you also have uh, some uh, recurring patterns uh, that you need to somehow uh, take care of and this is how the operations works and yeah th this is something that happens across all, all the all the borders, all, all of the whole company. And this is just, I don't know, na natural progression, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a good kind of proactive response to this hyper growth that Miro is seeing. I would say that we, we needed to make it even earlier. Uh, and this was also one of my learnings because uh, before the COVID, we had around uh, 2,000, 2,500 tickets a month. And suddenly in March, when we, we've seen the COVID hit and we've seen uh, way higher demand, we started to receive 2,500 tickets a week. That was really uh, 
a huge learning experience for me because I've seen how much I uh, underestimated the operation side of work and was focused on like building the culture, hiring the right people and those kind of things. And it was sort of imbalance between the ops and the, the people side of things. And so uh, we already started to like those transitions from the support agents. I wanted to provide the opportunities for the support agents to grow. And uh, we designed sort of like gradual progression uh, when we, let's say, start from only one day, uh, first month for the project, then two days, then three days. And then like in, in one quarter, you have sort of smooth uh, transition towards being full-time operations manager. And we were forced to uh, hold it, to freeze it uh, and get back people to the queues because we had sort of like all hands on decks uh, in this scenario. Uh, I mean, like the the highest number that I remember from the last year, I think it was 15k tickets uh, in one month. So I mean, like this, this is this is just a tremendous thing. <laughs> I mean, like we grew from uh, three million users to uh, 10 million users in nine months. So you you can imagine like how how stressful this experience could be. And uh, this was also my my thought, like okay. Uh, like one of like if if I would face the same situation, I would probably go and hire some um, you know like external person with uh, large experience who will be driving uh, those things uh, uh, individually independently. Uh, because I was just like at some point I was working like six seven days a week, uh, having problems with my sleep. Like I I I needed to walk around like on the streets like in the summer like three hours before being able to like go to sleep because i was constantly thinking about like how i can reduce the backlog i mean like at some point like just to give you uh an example like before covid our regular backlog was 50 tickets and at some point we collected the depth of 2000 tickets and i was freaking out i mean like i i I, yes in the backlog Wow. So, uh, yeah, you, you can imagine like how, how hard it was. Uh, and that, that also was, uh, you know, point of the realization that, uh, yeah, it seems like uh, this, this whole growth is way uh, more overwhelming than, than I thought uh, it could be. And uh, this, this also was one of the reasons like, okay, I, I want to uh, change the role to something a bit more narrow uh where which will be more i don't know not that stressful and where i can also rely on my past experience and also do some something new so that that, that's how we ended up for myself of being uh, head of support excellence wow that's quite the journey (laughs) yeah i mean like this was most most stressful most uh challenging um situation in my whole career i mean like I, I I remember like back in the day when we, let's say at Microsoft, uh, had uh, several uh, people uh, left, the, the, left the company, uh, several people were on vacations and several people uh, were sick. Uh, and uh, I remember like usually we had around uh, 18 people uh, on the first line support. And we, at some point we were six people uh, because of those factors. And yeah, I remember how stressful it was. Like, for instance, my record it was uh, 183 calls in uh, eight hours. Um, I mean, like this, this is the amount that I, I received and handled. 
so uh, yeah, but like the, 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 this is the like the experience that Mio just you know outlined all all the all the challenges that I had in my past career. Wow. Wow. Well, good for you for like seeing the need and coming up with a plan, advocating for it and, and getting it started. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like as, as my ex-manager said, like uh, we have really luxury problem to, to solve. That's true. Yeah. You have a ton of users. I suppose that's a good, good problem to have. Yeah, sure. So since you've started in this role, um, you mentioned that there's kind of uh like three pillars to the processes that you're that you're working on. You have operations, enablement, and content. Can you kind of walk through each one of those and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So, um, like uh, to clarify, do do you uh, want to hear like what specific initiatives or, or projects we have, or like what what's the difference between three of those? Uh, maybe let's start uh, with the difference and kind of just generally what those pillars are. Yeah. So uh, operations is, as I've mentioned earlier, is about like the processes, uh, cross-functional collaboration, product feedback loop, uh, and everything about like data analysis, those kind of things. Um, enablement is all about the the knowledge. It's all about the training. So like onboarding, post onboarding, uh, also the career development, uh, knowledge sharing, those kind of things. So think about the enablement as sort of like learning designer or the teacher uh, who is designing the learning process, like the teacher who is designing like what kind of books to choose and when to, uh, like what would be the order of those books. And as for the content, I think is like the most uh, ambiguous uh, role so far, because we also have the, uh, like from one hand, currently we own the help center, like the external knowledge base. Uh, from the other hand, we also have uh, the customer education team, and we also have a new head of customer education. And uh, originally, uh, like in lots of companies, uh, customer education is the team uh, which is responsible for all self-service resources, like academy, help center, webinars, sometimes YouTube content, uh, sometimes it could be online community, those kind of things. Uh, so... Uh, but from the other hand, we also have all these contexts of like what's going on on the uh, in the tickets in the queues uh, and uh, what kind of content would be helpful for for the users. Uh, so uh, two things to keep in mind here. First is that uh, we are still in sort of like sort of startup mode. We are trying to wear lots of hats and understand what works better better for us, and uh, we uh, didn't have a chance to align with the head of uh, customer education, how to split those things um, and w where would be the responsibility zone for uh, my support content manager and for potential future help center managers uh, or strategist. I don't know how we are going to call it, uh, but this is something that we want to figure out, like how to work together. Like maybe we uh want to split it like okay this is support related content and this is sort of like general content that we also want to include in the help center uh and the second thing that we need to mention is that this person is not only responsible for the uh 
for the external content, but also for internal content. And this, this means that uh, we have really close connection with the enablement when, for instance, enablement person would uh, analyze what kind of knowledge gaps we do have uh, and how to cover them, how to design, let's say, our confluence or like how to design the training program. Uh, and also uh, the enablement person would uh, create the uh, like initial proposal of the content plan but this content person would be sort of approving uh, this content plan and executing further on. So, uh, so currently it's very sort of like a hybrid. And also like uh, back in the day, I also had a person who was in charge for the help center and online community. So, uh, and I think this is the way when you are, when, when you are just scaling the, the startup, like you, you just need to be very agile and not being, you know, like really fixed on, on certain things. So we will see how it goes and see what kind of things uh, would work for us. But uh, one last thing that I would add here for the content is that uh, like I'm thinking about the model when best support is no support, which means that ideally, uh, like when the product works perfectly, uh, this is uh, something that doesn't require any support. For for instance, like let's imagine the calendar in, in your iPhone. I, I really doubt if you had any chance to talk to Apple support about this product because it's just perfect, it's simple. It usually it, it doesn't require any any uh, um, any bothering. So uh, but like obviously we're not in this situation. We always will have uh, uh, some some problems with with the product, and this is something that uh, under the operations about synthesizing those um, insights to the product team and eventually uh, making sure that we can impact the roadmap and not receive those tickets at all. But obviously, we will always have the, those trade-offs of of the resources, and so uh, the next level. If you, for instance, like some feature would be released, like, I don't know, next year. And at, like we, in the meantime, we still need to do something to deflect those tickets to make sure that people can help themselves. And this is where the support content manager would play a huge role when, let's say, we need to uh, analyze what is happening in the tickets and how we can transform those in the help center articles. And apart from that, we also have other teams who are responsible for the content and we also need to collaborate with them in two sides. From one hand, we need to make sure that we include uh, a lot of uh, different content in the help center. For instance, we can have another section with uh, recorded webinars maybe it will be helpful. We need to understand how to help the customer education team, the marketing team, uh, maybe some, someone else to make sure that help center is not only based on sort of like how to and troubleshooting uh, articles. We also can uh, put some, I don't know, use cases contents uh, or maybe like best practices, those kind of things. But from the other hand, we also have other teams who are responsible for other self-serve resources like uh, blog, uh, videos, webinars, uh, customer uh, education resources, like online communities, social networks. So we also can uh, see the trends and signals that we have in the, in the queues, in the tickets, and transform those according to the context in a different type of content. Like, okay, maybe we need to 
let's say give uh, the biweekly rubric uh, in the social networks of like these are like top uh, top three uh, tips and tricks how you can play with uh, the shapes at Mirror, uh, or we can uh, specifically look in the online community about like okay what kind of feature requests are uh, are required in in the online community what kind of things people want to have in the product but maybe maybe we have the workaround for those maybe we can go to the community and post top five uh, tips and tricks from support team uh, once in a while so why not and this is how this content will be searchable and eventually this would deflect uh, the tickets and another thing is uh, when we also can collaborate with the product team but in terms of, of the onboarding for instance uh, we already have some robust onboarding in the product but uh, let's enrich these with uh, the tooltips uh, with the help center links or maybe we see some specific uh, patterns when uh, people struggle with specific things let's say in the ui uh, let's just uh, create another sequence of the onboarding and complement it with the, the help center articles. Um, so as you, as you can see, uh, this is all about the, the deflection and about the scaling. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, let's say, enablement would be responsible for the productivity piece mostly. Like how we can make sure that people can get all the knowledge that is needed to make really great job. And eventually, let's say, uh, how to how we can make things happen when people were solving let's say 100 tickets a week and now and we strive to solve 150 tickets a week without any uh, I, I don't know additional burden that people not burn out they still have uh, time for uh, I don't know team meetings uh, OKRs those kind of things like how we can boost the, this productivity not in the tough and hard way when like like we did when we had 2000 tickets and we had this challenge like okay let's solve way more than than we usually had uh, but how to work smarter like how we can make sure that we can pull the data automatically in Zendesk, for instance. Uh, how we can populate uh, the AI so this AI would suggest the uh, like the replies based on macros that been used in the past couple of months. Those kind of things. So uh, there are lots of levers, and uh, basically one of the reasons why um, this could be really, you know, uh, scaling uh, lever is that uh, like originally when I've been doing the headcount planning and this is hell a lot of uh, work and uh, you know when you need to predict the future and uh, and this is by the way like typically the operations type of job you need to understand like how your team would potentially look like uh, in uh, like three years how to make this model work, how to collect the right data, precise data, and how to make this uh, whole, let's say, spreadsheet dynamic so you can include those levers and uh, assume some uh, improvements uh, on the go. So, uh, but when I've been doing this headcount planning initially, I've ended up that we need to have uh, 110 people uh, at the end of the uh, year. Uh, then on I the support team? Yes, on the support team, all together, okay. like with managers, with support excellence. So, uh, and yeah, and uh, at some point I included the potential levers, how we can make those things better. And so, um, 
when uh, and, and then uh, we ended up with uh, 85 people so which was already a huge boost and so uh, but when uh, our current head of support uh, went to our chief revenue officer and proposed this this plan presented all the things he said like okay I can give you 50 and uh, try the best as you can do uh, and if you uh, hit this 50 mark and you still struggle with uh, all, all of the efforts, prove me that you need more. So this is sort of like artificial challenge to think outside of the box and think how we can be uh, efficient. I mean, like technically we have, uh, like we're already very efficient from the uh, cost perspective because we have uh, a lot of uh, folks in Russia and we consume really small amount of revenue from the company. Uh, but uh, it, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for the efficiency, for like the, the good efficiency. So, uh, and like, I understand that I would have only three people until the end of the year. Uh, and also uh, they are very young in their career. So I need to spend a lot of time on coaching them. Uh, and I, I also like even myself, I, I had the opportunity in the past to uh, work in sort of like operations uh, type types of work uh, but I didn't lead this kind of team and this is completely different from leading the uh, team of agents so I mean like you you lead in basically the team of program managers um, and this is completely different from like let's say leading the people managers or the like the agents so uh, and uh, but we still have really a uh, huge responsibility to make sure that we can scale our team and make sure that uh, we can be efficient and happy uh, at the same time. So, uh, yeah, this this is like at, at at first I was really angry on our CRO, uh, like why like it doesn't make sense. We need to strive for for the quality and those kind of things. But then I was like, okay, challenge accepted. Let's let's see what we can yeah. do and. Uh, maybe uh, like if if we manage to hit these 50 people and being successful uh we with all all of our initiatives then yeah i i, I can just have a badge of really great operator wow so it sounds like you've got some really aggressive goals uh on yeah. the horizon some big things coming up <laughs> yeah cool well, I, I would love to like dig into more detail, but that's probably a good place for us to start wrapping up. Um, but I do want to ask you one last question before I let you go that I've been asking all the support leaders I talk to. Um, what, what advice do you have for uh, other up and coming support leaders? Um, think about the uh, operations uh, as, soon, as, soon, as, as soon as you start. As soon as you join the company, uh, the first thing that you need to understand is uh, why you are receiving certain tickets uh, and uh, how to classify them, how much efforts uh, you spend for them and how you can make sure that this, this is something that doesn't happen to your team. I mean, like eventually uh, your support team should be handling very complex issues, which are sort of like outside of the box and where uh, AI is not that powerful. I mean, like th this would be the most valuable and satisfying work for the support agents. Uh, but you need to think about efficient and scalable way uh, as uh, like as early as possible. Perfect. 
That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and just thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with me today. This was really insightful and just really interesting. Sounds like you're doing kind of something new and cool at Miro, and I'm excited to, to see where it takes you in the future. Yeah, me too. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Beyond the Q. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.